0: Hello and welcome back to Mad Git Radio, episode number 16. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been, it's gone, ETC 2018 Zagreb has finished and we have survived. Team Scotland is being represented tonight on the show by El Capitan, it's Felix Newman. Hey everyone. The Argentinian mercenary himself, it's Martin
1: Bueno. Hello everybody.
0: And as always, he's the itchy to my scratchy, there's Paul. (laughs) 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 I don't know. It's a good one, right? That is a good one. Wow, flashbacks. I've not thought about that show in a long time. That's why people listen to the show, Paul. It's all about the dynamic duo. (laughs) So on tonight's show, we're going to be talking about all things ETC. Paul is taking the reins on this one and has got a number of questions which I've got no idea about. And he'll be leading us through them. So without further ado, I will just hand directly over to Paul. Cool. So yeah, Andrew has no idea what these questions are
2: figured that since he was very much in it, we'll keep him in the dark, don't give away deep. too much. So I thought we'd maybe start by just covering some of the like pre-ETC style questions just about the team and how you guys all kind of prepared for the event, what kind of responsibilities you all had. So Felix, let's start with you. Um, you were obviously the captain for the Scottish team this year. How did you guys kind of approach building the team and just in terms of the armies you wanted to field and... Did you guys have like an overall strategy for how you wanted the lists to operate?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So I, I mean, it all starts with selecting the team, and from the start, we wanted to make sure that we selected the team so that we would do as well as we possibly could. But then we also really wanted to blood some new players, especially some some you know some proper Scottish wildling players, so we could get some new blood into the team, and then sort of transition the team over the next year or two into a you know into a full proper scotland team that can represent scotland so that was the first thing that we had to sort of get around when we were doing the applications then after that you start looking at people's armies and who plays what who plays maybe two or three different armies so that you can have the flexibility down the line to select a different army for that person maybe fit other people around so what, what ended up happening uh, was we had a couple of dropouts for personal reasons, and uh, we were very fortunate that our two, our two coaches, one of which was Andrew and the other one was Tim, could step up and, and play, and then obviously we got Martin along to, to fill in the coaching spot. Now, we were only able to do that because Tim could play multiple types of armies. Andrew coming in playing EOS meant that I could move on to one of the armies that I had played, and you sort of have that flexibility within the team to jump onto stuff to work around other people, then also you can sort of jump onto whatever seems to be the strongest army at the time of either dropping the list or the strongest armies that fit into the overall strategy that you want to put together for the team.
2: Okay, cool. So was it more about having that flexibility in the options when you were putting together where you wanted the selected players to go or were there certain armies that you guys thought we should represent that army in the team somehow because that army is going to fulfill a potential role overall?
3: Yeah. So I think it was definitely the latter. It was definitely the way that, that Gareth and I decided to to build the team and try and put together lists from a tactical point of view this year was we wanted each list to have a pair. So we split and we had a pair of lists that would be very good against monsters we had a pair of lists that would be good against elves or things with high agility. We had a pair of lists that could sit in a corner and preserve points. and Then we had a pair of lists that could go and could actively get points from the, from the opposition. So it was always going to be fitting within that framework and just selecting people who were flexible with what armies they played meant we could stick to that sort of paired framework a lot more easily and still keep people on armies that they were comfortable with. That's cool.
2: Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I think that's something that people that generally don't have experience with being at the ETC or having any kind of appreciation for how a team operates would necessarily think about how a team is put together. So that's really cool. Did you have any um, particular goals for the team prior to actually going out to Croatia?
3: Yeah, so I mean, so I mean the main overall goal was to, to, to get people like Andrew and Ed and Martin along and, and get them etc experience which i think we did and everyone seems to have a good time so that's that's the main goal and that seems to of seems to have worked quite nicely but as as a team you want to do well better than you did last year you want to do and that's that meant for us getting in the top half of teams there which we just about scraped into i think became 18th out of 36 and then from a sort of a little bit more selfish point of view we wanted to be the Irish team and the Welsh team, which we did as well,
2: which is lovely. <laughs> yeah. well, nice. Cool. So, um, just moving on from the captain spot, then it was obviously Martin, you're one of the coaches for this year. Yes, yeah, sir. As a coach, what kind of responsibilities prior to actually heading out to ETC? I know you took great delight in harassing Andrew for his chess clock times, but <laughs> oh yeah, what were you supposed to be doing?
1: Supposedly, check the payings, the predictions, try to help the team to build a list. That was supposedly, but since I jumped in last minute, I pretty much did nothing. <laughs> uh, I just had <laughs> Andrew with the clock times and all that. But yeah, what well, well, my work started... Uh, like a week before going there, like uh, start looking at all the paintings and the list, the different lists, and try to if I see something that that wasn't supposed to work that way, like oh, I had a 20 against Silva and Elfan, no way, you're not going to get a 20. So try, try to flag that. But I think the team did a kind of a good job about there about that. So. I wasn't that much necessary at that moment.
2: Okay. Did you ever get those chess clock times, Andrew?
1: Uh, no. I only got mine <laughs> against him. So yeah.
0: Do you want to know a fun fact? Go on then. So etc. <laughs> right? All the all, we put all this emphasis on um, get the chess clocks and being really well drilled and stuff. I didn't use my chess clock once the entire time I was there.
3: <laughs> Alex, what do uh... you think about that? I don't even. I don't even want to talk to Andrew. <laughs> He's let me down on so many levels already. It's just. It's just another flow to this dead animal. Is our relationship, Andrew? And you know who forgot
1: about the clock? Edward left it at home.
0: Ah, uh, see, that's at least I brought mine, Felix. <laughs> yes, <exactly. laughs> with but, batteries. Exactly with batteries.
2: Is that something that a lot of teams do prior to going to ETC? Is that quite a a common kind of training tactic?
3: Not really. I think it was this so this year they specifically put in the ETC pack that chess clocks would be allowed. Historically, some teams and really just a couple of players on teams, you know, are known to to play a little bit slow. It doesn't really happen until you get to the sharp end of the tournament, but it was really good from a from a training point of view. And the best thing that came out of trying to make the boys use the chess clocks before the tournament was actually slowing down some people because the rounds at etc are four hours including pairings and that's a lot of thinking time and if people are used to playing two and a half hour games and they're finishing those two and a half hour games in one and a half hours they're essentially leaving an hour and a half or two hours of extra thinking time on the table at the etc and so we just wanted to make sure that people could slow down their thought process and Think exactly about what they were doing because they would have that extra time when we got to the tournament to do that.
2: Awesome. So, um, Andrew, you were there as a player. Sure was. What
0: what was your preparation like for the ETC? I picked corners. I tried to change corners up, you know, test (laughs) them out. I also practiced uh, drinking beer. That was really hard going, but Mm -hmm. I did that for the team. I
1: I think that you already lost against against the Irish and the
0: Welsh. Oh, those boys can drink. Um, (laughs) Speaking seriously. Like, kind of like Martin, I mean, I wasn't meant to be a player at the start because I didn't know how the schedule was working out. So when I applied for the team, um, I essentially applied as a coach and uh, Tim and I were both the coaches, but obviously we got drafted in. Um, so my list essentially was the list that I'd been playing in singles events up until that point, which was like the really shooty empire list. So in terms of prep, it was really just honing in what list I was going to take like, once you've got that core concept to the list, it's all about the little things. So, like, what banners, what magical items, are you getting the most out of your synergies? You know, what happens if this happens? And just coming up with those game plans. Because once you've got your your foundation of what your list is, it's easier to do that. And, uh, I mean, it does it does pay off because, I mean, there was a couple games at ETC which went sideways pretty quickly, where if I hadn't had that level of practice in, I would have bled more points than I did. Which is a statement, because I bled a lot of points when those games went sideways. <laughs> <laughs> Um But yeah, no, just um, in terms of prep, it was, for, from a player point of view, it was mostly just focusing on your own list, and then obviously when the list came out, going through your pairings, and the pairing process was actually quite difficult, because one, there's so many lists that you've got yeah. to work through, uh, and then the other is being incredibly realistic with your pairings, which traditionally I've not been. Um just in terms of really being honest with yourself and thinking, like, even if this is the best player in the world that you're playing against and you get, you know, not great dice, what are you are going to get out of this game? Um, and I think across the team we were pretty good in terms of the predictions, but there's always going to be curveballs. Like, for example, I played a Sawyer Ancient list in the last round, which I thought I would absolutely, you know, bend over. And um, the player I was playing against was... Um, shockingly very good and uh, (laughs) did not allow me to bend him over (laughs) so there's stuff like that which is i think it's just experience but that's all just part of it and that's part of your prep and i know that next year my prep will be tighter because of the experience that i had this year so how do you foresee your your prep changing then i think just being a bit more a bit more it's not even realistic it's just having that extra layer of experience particularly in a team environment and i think we as a team struggled in the first day because a lot of us were still in singles mode and I 100% was in that. And like, even in your own game, you're thinking like, how can I win this game? When in retrospect, what you should be thinking about is um, how can I maximize points for the team? Even if that's a loss, how can I get that one extra point, uh, which will help the team win the round? Because like there was, we had three or four rounds where like the point difference was like three or four. It was crazy tight. So those one or two points make a big difference and even just that switching from like singles to team mindset, um, unless you've played at something on the scale of ETC, I I don't think you can actually prepare for it but now having done that even doing stuff like pairings or uh, looking at lists I think I'll be in a better position now to say in a team environment like how do I get that one extra point? Cool.
2: That's kind of the
0: pre-ETC stuff. Obviously you
2: guys had to get to Croatia so you all flew out did you meet up on route, or did you just meet once you actually got there? Oh, Martin no. and I flew out.
1: Yeah.
2: You guys were travel buddies. Made sure
0: Martin didn't get lost. Yeah, because Martin's got yeah. to have an adult when he goes through security, so... Exactly. I took the bullet.
1: <laughs> so, uh, and we got free beer. So. And we got
0: free beer. Where did Amazing. you get the free beer from? Lufthansa, then... baby. We flew out together. Ed flew out by himself, because he... um. We were flying from Edinburgh. He was flying from Glasgow. And then Felix, you were on holiday with your lovely lady beforehand, so you met us there. And then Gareth, Deej, and Mel
1: together, I flew, it, flew yeah. out together. Yeah, flew out
0: together. Yeah. And then yeah. they had a horrendous flight clash and stuff like that, and they had a nightmare of a first couple of days. And then Tim and John flew out separately as well. So we, most of us, just kind of met there. But the, okay. the timing of the flights actually worked out pretty well, because like, Martin and I arrived just after John and Tim had arrived, so we all kind of like possed up and got in a car and went uh, to the apartments, and then everyone else just kind of filtered in later on. Cool. So you were all in the same apartment, right? There was three apartments in different buildings. Oh, right, okay. And maybe we should talk about the apartments for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Andrew. You've was, obviously got there, uh, something to get off your chest. There was a, <laughs> There was a gap in quality between the apartments, there was uh, at the top the Pimp Daddy suite, which uh, Felix, Gareth and D Chad had, in which they kindly let me sleep on their couch. There was the middle tier, aka the party flat, which was occupied by Mel, John and Tim. And then there was what was affectionately known as the slum, (laughs) which was uh, occupied by Ed and Martin. (laughs) The true heart
1: of Scottish people there.
0: (laughs) In the slum. Yeah, so we had three separate apartments, but they're all like five minutes away, so it was dead easy to yeah. meet up and things like that, and like we had a team meeting in, in the big flat on the end of day one, which we all just needed. to rub
2: it in, just for the rest of the day, this is oh, where yes, you would
0: so, be sleeping. Yeah, like, their shower was bigger than our beds and things like that. And, yeah. But I can't really complain, because I went and slept on their couch, so... Yeah. So obviously, you guys flew out. How did your uh, models hold up? So, Felix, how did you get on? Because... I've got questions about how people do this as well.
3: Fair enough, yeah. So so obviously I've, I've travelled with my models quite a few times now. We did a couple of the warm-up events for ETC and obviously to see last year and some other warm-up events. And so my model's actually complete well, completely fine. I didn't have any breakages or anything except for breakages that I'd already had and I just hadn't fixed before I went out. <laughs> um, but I essentially flew. So I flew from from the UK to... To Split on the coast of Croatia and then I traveled like all down the coast and like on a couple of boats to islands and back and then I flew over to Zagreb so my models traveled quite a long way but I just had them in a the KR case in a piece of hand luggage that was just padded with like loads of my clothes and it was yeah it was absolutely fine on the the tiny little half hour flight between Split and Zagreb they tried to take it off me and I made Scene and they let me take <laughs>
1: yeah.
3: um, I was like, there's fragile stuff in here, and they were like, What fragile stuff? I was like, Don't ask questions, just fragile stuff. <laughs> like, I have to explain that I got
2: toy soldiers in here. Um, Dude, that's a brave response. I'm surprised they yeah. weren't like marched off at gunpoint. Yeah, yeah exactly. I think I ended up saying
3: ceramics, and then they just shut up. And I was like, "Oh yeah, that was a good shout." Like, <laughs> I, 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 like absolutely fine. that I was carrying around like a vase in my hand, <laughs> luggage. It's not, it's not a weird thing at all. But yeah, yeah, mine survived fine, to be honest.
0: Cool. I had less success. How did you do, it, Andrew? So I had I've got one of the big Citadel cases. Yeah. The Games Workshop do, and I put all kind my of stuff. Hard cases. Yeah, yeah. So like the ones that are meant to be like shock and yeah, I'm pretty sure they've got a video where like they've got a rhino tank running over it and it's fine. Yeah. Um,
1: sure.
0: I, yeah. Well I put it in a, a hold baggage uh, and I wrapped the whole thing with like fragile tape and I explained very explicitly both times <laughs> that I checked it in that it had fragile things in it and it wasn't to be mishandled. And it looked like Muhammad Ali had kicked the shit out of it when I got it. <laughs> it was like ripped and it what looked like the, a bird had just shot on a bit. I don't know how that happens when it's meant to be in a plane. When I got it to Zagreb, it was okay. it was pretty bashed and stuff, but nothing was majorly broken. There was like one or two halberds had broken off, but nothing nothing too crazy. But when I got it back from so from Zagreb to Frankfurt and then Frankfurt to edinburgh the the shock absorbent case had been split in two places.
1: Oh, whoa! That's
0: sick. And <laughs> like, I'd, I'd taken my mic and stuff because I was going to try and get interviews done, and my mic's all fucked up now. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, like everything was just—I literally don't understand how it got so trashed. Unless they've put something very, very heavy on top of it, they've obviously just blatantly ignored the the fragile signs. So uh, I will absolutely not be putting householders soldiers into the hold luggage ever again. And Jeez. I think—I mean, a lot of the guys very sensibly took it on their hand hand luggage.
1: Yeah, travel with a good case that you also have, Paul. Yeah. And uh, it was okay. The problem was that he has to travel with that without any other luggage on yeah. the hand luggage. Which had a, uh, was a problem because his luggage got lost the first day, so... Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was feeling crap for one day and a half.
0: Yeah, it was a bit shit because his bag never left Amsterdam when he did because he was Glasgow to Amsterdam Amsterdam to Croatia so his luggage didn't arrive they didn't know where the bag was and it meant that the day after we arrived was meant to be like the chill team building day where we went down and had like an amazing day down by this lake which had a bar and it was incredible but Ed couldn't come because he had to wait for his luggage and he had no clothes so we all felt very sorry for Ed because he got a real rough deal of it the first day.
2: But you all still went down to the bar by the awesome lake.
0: Yeah, yeah, for oh, sure. Of
2: course. <laughs> <laughs> it was lovely. Team building comes first. It's very important for ETC. Oh, yeah. I've had listened to this as well. Sorry,
0: yeah. <laughs> There's no Ed in team, okay? <laughs>
2: <laughs> so prior to the ETC actually like, kicking off, you guys had some uh, warm-up matches arranged with Turkey and Switzerland, right? How did they go? Interesting. Interesting? Right, go on, Martin.
1: Yeah. Well, that was the first time that I had to actually do the coaching. So... <laughs> But no, no. like learning on the job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it was fun because you learn that you need more communication and stuff like that. So you, it's not just like go around the tables and watch the models and take pictures. You, you, you actually need information from the players because maybe from my perspective, for example, Andrew was doing it really bad actually it wasn't that bad. So you need that the player tells you, I think it's okay, I'm along the prediction or not, so you can communicate to the captain and take a decision, make a decision for another table if you have to push or not.
2: Okay, cool. What about you, Felix? This is obviously your first time out as captain, right? At the ETC? Was <laughs> this is a good kind of um, introduction before the big day kicked off? Yeah, so I, so I think that
3: Having two practice games really, really helped us out. What normally happens, and it's all kind of changed this year, is that previously you used to have an eight-man team event in Germany and then an eight-man team event in Denmark as sort of warm-up tournaments before the ETC. And this year, for whatever reason, the Germany tournament changed to a five-man team event and the Danish event didn't actually get enough teams to, to go ahead. So there was no warm up event. And so it actually took us probably the two warm up games and two games into the event to really get into the flow, work out how pairing should work with the players we had and stuff like that. And so I think if we hadn't had those two warm up games, it would have then taken four games, which is basically, you know, it's two thirds of the event and we would have ended up doing quite a lot worse. So we ended up doing quite well against Turkey, who were who were a strong team, and then got an absolute hammering by the Swiss.
2: And we learned a lot from both of those games. I think without them,
3: we would have we would have really struggled.
2: What about you, Andrew? How did you get on playing against completely new players at that kind of level?
0: That was cool. Like you hear like a lot of stories about ETC, and it's like you know the highest of the high, and everyone's really hard nosed and this kind of like fury and kind of persona. Where everyone's just really gamey, you can't give them an inch in that. But uh, my first two games were against like lovely guys. <laughs> I had a great time. <laughs> uh, I played like we actually had a, an Empire Civil War round one, So I played Turkey's EOS player, <laughs> and we had a, like just a really cool game. It was really tight. After turn one, he cannoned Chicken Lord off, <laughs> which was sore. But we had a really cool game. We actually had a really good discussion um, just about like Empire after it. And then I got 20'd by the Swiss PC player, which was. Painful but the guy was absolutely lovely and I great had a great time. So um
2: was there some mixed feelings there? Were you thinking, Oh, I just got beat by V C but soon soon I'll
0: be playing V C well he was playing yeah. the, the broken ghoul list, so I, I felt no shame in getting twenty by that. All right, okay. Um but no I like I also made like I made a really big mistake in the, the V C game because I left my wizard out when I forgot he had swarm insects and he swarmed them off turn two. Okay. Which was just stupid, but like, it's the same, like, when you go to a singles event, it's always good to have that warm-up game before, because you get all your yeah. mistakes out, or you get most of your mistakes out. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so, like, the the warm-up games was, like, me getting my mistakes out, and in day one was everyone, well, for me anyway, was, like, figuring out how how you actually play in an eight-man team. Mm-hmm. And, and I totally agree with Felix. It wasn't really till the second and third day that I think everyone kind of got in the way of, like, this is how we need to play this. It's not singles. It's about the team. And I was definitely uh, guilty of that. Day one is approaching the games in a singles way. Cool.
2: Sounds like a pretty good warm-up day, quite successful. So you're all pretty confident going into day one? Well, I just got 20, so I wasn't feeling confident. (laughs) Martin, what were you thinking after that kind of warm-up couple of matches? How were you thinking going into the first day?
1: That It was going to be really interesting. To be honest, I just wanted to have fun Mm -hmm. and try not to fuck it up because it was a high chance that I would make a huge mistake over there. But yeah, I know, it was nice. We ended quite late, so we went to have dinner. That's when everything bad could happen, happen, actually happen, (laughs) for the next day.
2: This is when the infamous Donor Kebab happened.
1: Uh, Exactly. So Melvin uh, wanted halal. And we walk for half an hour to find (laughs) one when we actually found one well yeah uh, i think the team has some bad experience with it so after dinner we went to sleep and yeah well we had to be at the venue around nine or so yeah i don't don't remember yeah so we tried to go back the sooner as possible but some of them didn't succeed. They went to a party. And he was... Tim was, like, doing the babysitter above, of Melan for the fa- party flat. Yeah. And Ed and I, we went to the apartment, have a shower and go to sleep because we were tired. And Andrew, I don't know what he did.
0: I was well behaved. I was...
1: Okay.
2: There's no pictures to the contrary, so we'll have to you out your word. No, not that night. I was well behaved. Cool. So... Heading into day one, Felix, you kind of mentioned that, you know, those warm-up games were really good just for getting to grips with the pairing process. Was that, as team captain, was that tougher than you kind of expected it to be? So, so
3: I think it's not it's not so much the pairing process, because so both Gareth and I did did pairings last year, so I did, I did them for Wales with a couple of the guys, and, and Gareth did them for, for New Zealand. What we really sort of had a bit of a panic attack about after the first games was the way that some pairings had been estimated in that people were like Andrew says, still thinking from a singles point of view and thinking that everyone is always going to be pushing at them or everyone's always going to be, you know, trying to get the maximum win. And so what Gareth and I spent that night before the event doing was going through the, the pairings estimates for New Zealand, who are our first round opponents and, tweaking them and changing them a little bit to be more in line with what we thought it was actually going to be like. Because obviously we had quite a few people who were a bit inexperienced. And although although by four games in, people had sort of understood exactly what it means and how different it is to play at ETC and then could go in and change their pairings themselves. We ended up using that those two practice games as sort of a wake up for me and Gareth to just go, okay, look, we are a bit more experienced. We'll go. We'll take a look at everyone's pairings and tweak them a little bit and that really really definitely helped out for the rest of the event
2: okay so you guys basically decided everyone else has fucked us up we need <laughs> to spend about time checking everyone's homework and uh we'll feel a little bit better about it yeah i mean no no
3: it wasn't. i mean the vast majority of people and the vast majority of the estimates that were done were spot on there were just a couple of people for Especially, it was like you could see a pattern. It was like a couple of people against two or three armies were either consistently under or overestimating what they thought they could get, and that's, that's it. It's very sad for that to happen because you know people have had previous experiences. You know, if Martin or Andrew have just have played ID the last five times down the club and have been smashed all across the board, then they naturally will think, well, actually, I can't do very well against ID. Whereas the list that they're playing now and in the team event it might be completely different and they really can play ID far better than they than they think they can, stuff like that.
2: Okay, cool. So when you're looking at lists, what was the kind of process that you and Gareth were using? Like how do you objectively look at two lists and decide what the result should be or could be?
3: So that's really interesting I and mean, it's it's essentially I mean this is the same this is the same stuff that we told the guys beforehand, you know, when we said, Hey, you're gonna have to do the pairings and It's a really weird thing to do, but you kind of start by looking at both lists and you ask yourself a couple of questions. You say, what have I got to do to win the game? And then conversely, what has got to happen for me for me to lose the game? And then you try and flip around to your opponent's point of view and ask the same two questions. And then when you've got those sort of four data points of what you think you need to do to win or lose and what your opponent needs to do to win or lose, you start working out, well, how likely those things are to happen in the game, and then that can get you sort of somewhere on the scale between 3 and 17, which is what we did, as to sort of estimating the score as it should be.
2: That's really interesting. Martin? Yes? You're a coach. What are your primary responsibilities at ETC? You mentioned before that you're really there to help communication between the players and just try to keep a kind of a handle on what's going on and how the matches are looking. Yes. Um, so, like, how much talking is actually going on between you and the players? How much watching? Like, what what is taking the majority of your time when the games are actually being played?
1: Well, bringing the beer, uh, water. <laughs> uh, so none of that. Basically, you were the water boy. Beer bench the, is his title. The the first half an hour, yes. Since we had a coach, so I was setting the tables on Tourney keeper keeping the scores, updating all the, all the all the results there. Because you had to submit all the scores before the end of the, the the four hours, otherwise you get penalties. So I had to check the clocks, see if there was a slow playing <laughs> uh, <laughs> And see try to find the rules questions or if you see something that they are doing wrong just point it out or talk to their referees stuff like that so apart apart from checking the tables that how they are doing uh, if they need something or they need to communicate or they need to know something from the rest of the team because you you cannot say oh you have to do this this and this and this way All, all you have to say is Keep points, don't push, or push, or go hard, or stuff like that. It's like a basic instruction. Yeah. You cannot be a specific.
2: Okay. So I think most people that haven't been to ETC might think this wouldn't be the case, but how many instances of you having to take rules actually happened?
1: It happened quite often, yes. Right, okay. Yeah, it happened quite often. Mo- most of the time it was like, oh, I have the doubt and the other one has a doubt. So, oh yeah, you you, you go there as a tiebreaker. If you if you don't if you can't find an understanding between the players and you, you call the ref or you call the other coach and you talk about it. But mostly, if they instead of arguing about about the rule, that's your job. You argue with the ref or with the other coach, and then when you decide, you say, okay, you do this this way, and that's it.
2: That's cool. And obviously, as you mentioned, Tim had a bit of an unfortunate uh, encounter with a kebab. Yeah. So day two, you had to no. kind of step in. No,
1: actually, day one.
2: Oh, it was day one. You stepped in. Yeah, All right, it okay. was.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. First match. After 50 minutes, uh, I suddenly I go there, Martin, Martin, and I went running to the table, and I saw Tim like 10 meters away on the floor doing bad stuff.
2: <laughs> doing bad stuff.
1: Yeah, uh, he was throwing up everything.
2: Shit. So how did you find stepping up to play v c <laughs> like, was... in that instant? Were you terrified or were you like, yes, no. I get to play? Or no. what, what were you thinking?
1: No, I was, oh no, why? Why disarm me? Why disarm me? I have no idea how to play this. And in fact, it was a different list. It's not like a regular vampire list. So I didn't know anything. I didn't know which spells were there. Who has each spell? What are what were the characters and stuff like that? Fortunately for me, the New Zealand player Hugh was is a lovely guy, so he was totally understandable with me. So I sit there and while he was moving and doing everything, I was trying to read what what <laughs> what should I do? <laughs> what does this spell do and stuff like that? So. Mostly I sit there and I hold and I try to keep points because, <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't looking good.
2: So was that the whole day two you were playing?
1: Yes, I finished that game. Um, the second round, I handshake it against Risto because I thought, yeah, I'm really fucked here. I have no idea what I'm doing. and uh, They told me don't go for the secondary. So it was no point. Luckily for us, I did that because I was able to go around the tables and, and give some instructions and communicate. Uh, on the second day, I also had to play the two games, and those I would throw under the bus, so it was okay. It was yep. understandable, but I think I did better because I, 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 I had time to read and talk to team and and see what should I do. Andrew? Yeah, man. This was
2: your first ETC experience? Yep. How did you find the level
0: of play compared to what you've experienced before? I didn't play a game where I felt that I'd been outplayed in terms the of... Swiss? No, in not, Switzerland? not even the Switzerland game. Like The Switzerland game was just I made a mistake and then I was just... I pushed because I was trying to force my way out of the mistake rather than... Again, this is the team mentality. In a singles like, environment, I think what I did was right because it was the high risk, high reward. But in a team environment, that wasn't the right call. But I don't think I was, I didn't feel like I was ever outplayed across any of the rounds. I think the best player, as in terms of player skill that I played, was my last game against the Luxembourg captain. But that was really just because he was very good at movement. And I think that when you're playing against someone, if they're very good at the movement phase, they're automatically a good player. <laughs> I think that's just yeah. because it's such a hard phase to master. Yeah. Um, but across the other games, I never felt like I was outplayed in terms of like them doing stuff and like blowing my mind because I never saw that coming.
2: And just generally, the mood on the tables were always pretty good. Pretty
0: yeah, fortunately, like, we
2: getting good, good partners, good, good opponents.
0: So I yeah. played. So the two warm-up games and then six games at the ETC itself. I only played against one kind of funny guy, like like <laughs> as in funny character. Was that um, Martin? Was this a no. game? <laughs> no, no, it wasn't me. Um, like the rest of the guys were like really cool, like just there to enjoy it. And you know, there's not many mistakes at that level. In terms of gameplay, I think that's where the step up is. It's just that they they cut out little errors. But they didn't do that at the expense of enjoyment of the game. And all my games, you know, there was lots of talk, there was lots of banner, you know, having a good time and just generally enjoying the event and enjoying the game. So I was pleasantly surprised actually because you kind of, you do, you think about ETC as like really hard nosed. But um, that wasn't my experience anyway, not this year. Awesome. So
2: all three of you guys ended up playing a general question for everybody gaming highlights oh felix to start with you what were your gaming highlights from this year so
3: my gaming highlight was probably just the general team performance i thought just how everyone did really well everyone threw themselves into it everyone put in so much effort beforehand and during and i think that just that showing in how we finished and the teams we finished above was was absolutely the gaming highlight i think From a personal point of view, I had, you know, had a lot of good games. I think like Andrew, you know, we played eight games and I played maybe one guy who got a little bit annoyed, but that's because he was getting tabled and he was the captain of their team and he was obviously not happy with his own performance. It wasn't a bad bloke. And so I think that as well as the team performance, the the big high for me was just having eight really great games in ninth age.
2: Awesome. What about you, Martin? Do you have any particular gaming highlights from your foray into VC? <laughs> yeah.
1: mm, no, I try not to uh, do everything wrong at the same time. I think that I enjoyed playing against Barry, against Ireland. I was throw under the bus because he had three <laughs> units of crashers with flaming banner and alchemy. So it was, <laughs> yeah, lovely. I really like to play this. But at some point, I thought, oh, maybe I can get some points from this. But uh, I made a mistake, and I couldn't beat the unit, uh, break combat, so yeah, I was charged from everywhere, and that was game over. But no, I had a really nice time. Um, we played round four against Argentina, so I could play in Spanish. That was cool. Nice. It was funny.
2: You could totally yeah. bitch about all your teammates, and no one knew what the <laughs> fuck you were saying. Exactly. Which also is, like, completely <laughs> against
3: the rules of the EDC, where you, <laughs> play, you always play in English. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. No, but it was it was great. I, I prefer not to play anymore with VC, but, yeah, <laughs> no worries.
2: Andrew, what about you? Any particular highlights stand out from your games? Uh, just, like, on the table?
0: Yeah. So Anything
2: you're particularly proud of? Well, any
0: cool moves? When we played against Belarus, I played against a Warriors player, yeah. and I, I, I did very, very well. I got, I got 19-1, but that was just because everything worked, and across the tournament, the well, war machines weren't good, and the shooting was pretty subpar. I think there was probably only two games where the shooting actually properly turned up, so it was just nice to have the list do what it was designed to do, rather than what it did against Ireland, and took one wound across the entire you know round of shooting. Um, but ironically I think that was probably my favourite game against Ireland when I got 18-2'd by uh, David <laughs> so <Okay. laughs> yeah I think just like the general banter about on the tables as well and uh, like just the way everyone approached the game I didn't really feel that anyone was taking it too seriously obviously you're going there to do well but yeah just, I just enjoyed the games basically
2: Okay, so kind of similar to that did, was there a particular match that you guys would say was your favourite of all the, the 8 games that you had? Andy, you've mentioned the Irish game and the game against Belarus. What would you say was your favourite? Um, just on balance between the game itself and the banter you were having with
0: whoever it was you were playing against? I think in terms of like quality of game, my last game against Luxembourg was the best, just because it was a very tight game. Um, yeah. And it was a difficult game for me because it didn't go the way I thought it would. Uh, but in terms of personal enjoyment, the Irish game, just because David and I had a really good laugh while we were playing, but I honestly, like my New Zealand game against Jarls was fantastic. Like I really enjoyed playing Jarls. The Argentina game, I only played to the end of turn one because I was playing against Sylvan Elves and it was King of the Hill. So uh, I sat on his objective with all my shooting. He sat on my objective with all his shooting. We played turn one. We took minor points off each other. And he turned to me and he said, so this is going to be it for uh, six turns. And I was like, yep. It's like so uh 10 10 we get a beer and I was like that's a great idea let's do that <laughs> <laughs> and that was like we just had a like a really good chat and watched the other games so that was cool as well
2: Awesome
3: what about you Felix I think my favourite game was against Argentina. I was playing, I guess, what could only be described as an Argentinian grandfather, yeah, <laughs> who, who did not speak a single word of English. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, I, so the communication was in my like, uh, you know, high school level Spanish, which is terrible.
1: Which was also the captain of Argentina.
3: Yeah. So he was his, the captain of Argentina as well, and uh, I just—he was just a really lovely bloke. We had a really good game. I got an 11-inch charge turn one, and it all went very sideways for him from there, and he was a complete champion about it. He took about 300 zombie and skeleton models off and just made a massive pile
2: in the corner of the table.
3: And he just didn't give a fuck. He had a really really good game. It
2: was was good fun. Obviously, it sounds like you just had an amazing time. Were there any gaming low points? Was there anything that you thought kind of detracted from any of the games or things that you did in your games that you thought, why the fuck did I do that? Anything that stands out?
1: In our games, you mean? Yeah yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go on Martin. Well yeah against Argentina I forgot about the cadaver wagon is tall, large. one size large. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I lose it because I was so stupid. Uh and since that when he shot with two ball throwers on uh, high burnout ball throwers, two sixes hit twice. Wound couldn't save anything. Calibre wound, crap. Um, yeah, at that point, I started losing leaking points from everywhere. This was
0: the guy with but the dragon, was, right? Martin? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. We was so... yeah, because it was a ten ten. we were watching each other from one side and to the other, uh, nobody was moving. It was like yeah, this is going to be a 10-10 until he killed the cadaver one, And it was, yeah, great. Uh, when we finished, he told me, yeah, we had this as a 10-10. Yeah, we ch- me, me too. So I made that mistake and cost me the, the full game.
0: That's really but interesting, was- right? Because like obviously I, my game had finished very early, so I was kind of keeping an eye on the games. And I think this is an interesting case of where pairings determined how the game played out. Because when I walked around your game, that was absolutely not a 10-10. He could have easily shoved your shit in. Oh yeah. And like, but he was just holding off. Like he had a dragon that was looking at, looking at the side of something and he wasn't doing anything about it. And I was just watching this in amazement uh, that he wasn't going for it. And it must have just been that he had this down as a 10-10 and he didn't want to risk it. Which is, that's just like really interesting from a a team dynamic to watch that actually play out on the table.
1: Well, he was scared because he already lost the dragon in the other three games, or so. so. Right.
0: Okay.
1: He didn't want to risk it, but it was. Why aren't you pushing?
2: Yeah. What about you, Andrew? Was there anything that you were disappointed with, or did anything kind of stick out as maybe a low
0: point in the tournament? In terms of like performance, I don't think I. I think I did get most of my mistakes out in the early game, so nothing really like that. Like my dice were pretty shy in a couple of games, but. That's, there's no point in complaining about that. It's just like yeah. my my game against Bulgaria wasn't great. I, I don't really want to like go on air and like bitch about it, but my opponent got very very frosty frosty after things think started to go against him. Uh, so that wasn't great. But no, I, I don't really think there was many things in terms of like our games and our experience that I would say was overly negative.
2: And uh, Felix, for you, everything was pretty good. Nothing really stands out as being. Negative at all? Oh, nothing that yeah, I mean, did that you were disappointed with?
3: No, I think that all my games I had, I had a really good time, and it was even more so than previous years that I had a, just, I thought it was a great ETC overall. I think the only thing I was disappointed with was my own performance, and I think as well the list selection that I went with. I ended up choosing a very binary list where you can either not play the game at all, and it's a 10 10, or if you play the game, it will be 20 nil to someone. And so I ended up getting two zeros and three twenties in the main event. And that's not, and then a 10, and I got a 10 in the first game. I didn't play the game. And it's just very disappointing that I should have known better than to take a list like that. Because like Andrew said earlier, two points is important. Five points is incredibly important. Getting zeros is not, is not forgivable even if you're getting twenties in other games. So from that point of view, I was pretty disappointed. But from the actual event, it was, it was a really, really good time.
2: So that's interesting talking about your list then. Would you kind of recommend to people looking at going to the ETC that those style of lists maybe aren't worth it? Or was it more that your list was primarily there to do something else and it just wasn't fulfilling that role?
3: No, so so my list was there to to go and get points. And right. it, ab- it absolutely can go and get points. You know, I got I didn't I didn't get 320. so fifty percent of the games I played were twenty nil to me. But then getting two zeros is not you know, it's not it's a team event, it's not a singles event. Yeah. And it was very it was a very rock, paper, scissors list where, you know, one of the zeros I got was because I failed uh four in uh four on dice charge. And that's the kind of sort of things that you should be trying to account for. So I think that in general, I think the team as a whole, we could have taken slightly more aggressive lists, but maybe not to the degree that my list was. You kind of, there is definitely a healthy middle ground and you always need to be able to just go, okay, something's gone wrong now. I need to be able to stop and just turtle up and try and get five points or seven points or eight points. And lists like mine couldn't really do that. And I mean, to some extent, Andrew's list as well, because it's a very fragile sort of gun line. If it all go sideways, couldn't do that. So that's definitely one of the things that I would change, you know, if I could go back and do it, is make the lists themselves a little bit more resilient.
2: Okay. So just kind of thinking then, kind of in hindsight, generally about the event, about the ETC in general, how did being captain compared to previous years when you've not necessarily had that kind of level of responsibility?
3: It was a lot more in the build-up. I'm really looking forward to next year if I go and whatever team I go on not having to do as much preparation. You know, it's just all of the things like sorting out the team and sorting out shirts and dice and getting people down to tournaments and chess clock times and cooking everyone's stations and writing people's lists with them like there's a lot of effort and I absolutely don't regret a single minute of it for the last year I think it was a really rewarding experience and I had a lot of great help from absolutely everyone on the team but definitely looking forward to next year it being a bit more relaxed just sort of letting everyone else do the admin stuff and just focus on writing a fun list and, and having a lot of good games and get a lot of practice in
2: Andrew, what about you? This was your first ETC. Looking back on it now, what would be some of your big takeaways that you had from it? Was there anything that particularly surprised you about the event, or anything that you didn't really fully
0: appreciate beforehand? So in terms of the event, like I'm addicted to this game on an unhealthy <laughs> level. And it was hard going for me in terms of like just the slog. Which I didn't... like. I thought that would be easy peasy, but particularly see on that last day like we'd played six games before it had been essentially constant because you were waking up early you were getting to the arena you were playing your two games you were getting back quite late by the time you had dinner it was basically you when know, you're going to bed or you're going out in which case the next day is going to be harder <laughs> um <laughs> so like the slog i didn't really appreciate but that i think that's just again you can't really plan for that it's just kind of what happens yeah i would definitely not take the same list Like, Felix and I have talked about this as well. Like, one of the big things when we were writing the list was taking away the randomness out of lists. So just being very consistent in what the list did. So things like having buffs like hatred, which cuts out that element of fluffing your dice and uh, taking like a hundred shots instead of fifty because you, you know, you're doubling your chances, stuff like that. But at the end of the day, my list still relied on war machines and I still had two cannons and two rockets which the cannons did alright, but the rockets did not have a good tournament. And, taking in the Ireland game, where my shooting did not turn up, I got my shit pushed in, because there was really not a lot I could do about it. Just the approaching lists, I would definitely still stick to my guns and say pick one thing and do it very well when you write a list, but I think you still need that level of tactical flexibility, particularly in competing for secondaries, which, I mean, I've been saying that for six months, and I've been just kind of ignoring myself. <laughs> and I think I needed something like ETC to show me that Like, I need to, you know, be considering that when you're writing lists. But apart from that, yeah, I just really enjoyed it and looking forward to next year. Okay. So what tips would you have for anyone looking to go to Serbia next year as their first time? Just enjoy it. Try and lock in your list early, but not so early that you can't fucking stand the list. Um, Because not (laughs) everyone is like Felix and not everyone is like a ninth age athlete that will just train the shit out of a list. I was sick of my list by the time I got TTC. (laughs) But that's because I'd been playing it for, you know, essentially seven months. So I think it's important to lock in your list and know exactly what your list can and can't do and just practice, practice, practice. But at the same time, you don't want to get to the main event and be sick of it. In terms of writing your lists, I mean, it depends what the team's doing, like what the team directive is for writing lists. I mean, that would dictate a lot of how the lists are written. But I would say that with hindsight, I would would have liked my list to be a bit more tactically flexible. And I think if you look at the list that did very well across ETC, all of them were tactically flexible whilst doing one thing well. So that would that would be my kind of takeaways from it. Okay. Did um being sick of the list did that detract at all from the event in any way? No, because I think all my games were so good. Like I I generally enjoyed every minute of it. Even when things yep. were going horribly, horribly wrong. Like, I a lot of that came down to just who you were playing. And the banner was so good in the table. Like, my worst loss was against Ireland when I got 18-2. No, sorry, I got 20 by Switzerland. I've already repressed that memory, you see. <laughs> um, and like, the guy I played against, uh, Tomas, and like, we just had a really good laugh while we were playing. It was very chill. So, don't get too psyched out by the event. Like, you're, you're still going there as a hobby. You're still going there to enjoy it and yeah, just carry that over into when you're playing the games as well. Cool. Anything you guys would add to that? Martin and
2: Felix, what tips for new ETC players? Martin, let's start with you.
1: I think the most important part is, go there to have fun, and if you can go with a team that you get along with all of them, or most of them, and they are friends, you can call them friends, and enjoy the, the your holidays, because they are holidays, the, the best thing to do is to go there and have fun. Um Everybody there is kind of like you. They have the same passion. They love the miniatures. They love the game. So they go there to have fun and play. Apart from the top teams that are always go- want to win and be really competitive. But realistically, we are not going to play against them unless it's the first round. So the most important part there is go there, have fun, share beer or drink or something or have a chat with another guy. So, and exchange uh, histories and experience with them.
2: Nice. What were you, Felix? Any kind of words of wisdom you would pass on to noobs looking to go <laughs> in the future?
3: No, no I, think, like, I think Martin and Andrew have pretty much covered it. I think Martin's point that it's a holiday is, is a really big one. I think that definitely arrive, especially if you're having a, any practice games sort of on the Thursday before, definitely try and arrive on the Monday or the Tuesday. I think that you know we, except for poor Ed who had to wait for his bag, had a really good time, like a really good team bonding experience sort of like just swimming around a lake and having some beers and getting some food in and then similarly like i don't I don't really drink very much at all, but I had a beer with every single one of my opponents when when we were playing like it's a holiday you've gotta have a good time that's that's definitely a big thing is that don't just look at it as a you know as a tournament it definitely is a holiday with with a a like-minded and good bunch of guys so if you're thinking about coming take that into account and then definitely what andrew said you've got to take a list that you're comfortable with and you've got to be willing to practice it a lot it's very interesting that andrew says that he was bored of his list you know by the time he got to the event because i know gareth was bored of his list i've been playing the same list for about two years now if i don't play my beasts for another year or two it will not be too soon (laughs) they have broken me but getting that practice in and being able to play the list in your sleep means that everything else goes so smoothly your games actually on the table go more smoothly your pairings estimates and understanding what your list can and can't do goes more smoothly and in general you you get out from the event as much as you're willing to put in and all the boys without exception this year put in so much effort but beforehand and during the event and it just it just made the event an absolute joy it's so much easier when everyone is putting in the same amount of effort and everyone's pulling towards the same goal and so I think that's that's definitely important for people who are thinking about going next year is look it is a holiday but everyone wants to have a good time so definitely be willing to put in the extra effort to practice your list or you know talk to people about the list that they're building and put in that little extra bit of effort
2: cool so um, martin obviously you were there primarily as a coach but you ended up playing did you have a a preference did you enjoy one role more than the other obviously when you played the circumstances were obviously pretty hard you were playing an army that you didn't really know it was very last minute but yeah. Um, did you have a preference?
1: Well, I think I enjoy more being the, as a coach there. When you have to play, you have more pressure on you. So, and I went there like totally chill. And I had to. <laughs> I, I I'm going there to have fun, talk yeah. to people, and um, try to help the team, of course. And I was really scared if if it turned out that I had to play, I'm going to shit break. <laughs> um but apart from the first day that I was really what I'm what I'm doing here, the second day I had fun and it was totally okay. It was like playing uh, against you guys. Like, yeah, I'm not stressed, I'm not worried, I'm not doing everything wrong and being stupid. So because my mentality was okay, have fun. It it doesn't matter, you are not on you are not in Poland team. So don't worry about it. Try to do your best. And Felix told me, yeah, we are not expecting you to win all the games, so it doesn't matter. It's like uh, we know the circumstances. It's okay. I was feeling really shit not getting the prediction or so, but still, I have really a lot of fun there.
2: So do you think that really it's just about being there in the atmosphere and so really whether you're coaching or playing it doesn't matter, you're still going to have a good time?
1: Yeah, absolutely. The thing is, when you're coaching, you have more time to do other stuff. So because yeah. the the first, the first turn of all the games, you do nothing mostly. You set up the tables and you go around and talk to people and chat with the other coach or on the next tables and stuff like that. So it's more relaxed. You
2: and Felix, you've been to previous ETCs, right? I'm right in saying that?
1: Yeah. I yeah. went as a, a spectator. Yes.
2: Yeah, so how would you compare this year's ETC to previous events?
1: Oh, it's totally different experience. Uh, the first time that I went, it was like, oh, I'm in Candyland. <laughs> yeah, this is the best. Um, but this time, it was absolutely amazing. It was, um, uh, oh my God, the value was incredible. It was with air conditioner. It was really, really thankful for that. And the atmosphere was different. We weren't so close that we were touching each other all the time. Not not only in, during nine age tables, but among the all all 40k and Flames of War too, because we were separated and there was a lot of space to play and move around. Yeah, but this year was amazing. It was one of my best holidays of all the time.
0: Oh, he's such a cutie! Oh.
2: <laughs> Where were you, Felix? How would you compare it to some of the other ETCS you've been to? I think I said to the guys, either either during or
3: or after the event, that especially for those new players who hadn't hadn't been to an ETC before, that they had really really lucked out, and that as ETCS go, that was really fantastic. You know, the venue was an um, you know, an international Olympic-level stadium. There were more toilets than people, which is (laughs) rare at any tournament. There, you know, there was loads of space between the tables. There was air conditioning throughout the whole thing. We were right opposite a massive, uh, you know, mall with loads of, with like a really big food court in it. You know, lots of bars, which obviously everyone was happy with. And then Zagreb itself, you know, is is a a pretty cool city. Uh, So I think that, it definitely is, is up there with one of the best ones. And, and one thing I think is also worth mentioning is whenever you talk to guys who have been going for, for 10 years, if you ask them before this one, at least, you know, what, what, what was your favorite ETC? Every single person says Novi Sad in Serbia, which is where it is next year. So if people who are thinking about coming or listening to this, I think it's pretty fair to say that. The venue next year and the uh, organisers, especially for for next year, are really, really good. And it will definitely be uh, as good as
2: this year, if not better. Wow, that sounds awesome. It's pretty exciting. So you guys, as I've said, did really well this year. You came 18th. Yeah. Shall we talk through a little bit about the specific matchups, the the rounds? If we can kind of go through and just talk about generally how they went, and what you thought. So game one, you guys were against New Zealand's. Yes. Um and you guys were beaten by the narrowest of margins, 81 points to 79. How did that round go for you guys? It was good. I mean, it was,
3: you know, it's a it's a really perfect example of how one point can make can make the difference, you know, if if one of our players had managed to get one more point across, you know, from those eight games. Then we win it, eighty-one seventy-nine, because you know a one point is actually a two point swing. So you take a point off them, um, you add a point two. Oh, okay. So you know a point, a point would have drawn it, and two points would have, would have meant that we won it. And I know for Gareth, he was disappointed because obviously being a New Zealander and being a <laughs> turncoat and playing for us this year, uh, he wanted to, he wanted to beat them. But uh, I think that the scoreline eighty-one seventy-nine definitely showed how close the two teams were and i think the fact that those guys came i think they came 17th like one point above us yeah. the actual event at the end shows that 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 score was right you know that that we were very very closely matched team and it was it would just go down to a, a few dice rolls so i think overall we can be we can be very happy with that
2: yeah obviously new zealand they won best sports right yeah they did so they were obviously a really fun bunch of guys to play against
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: Andrew, how was first round? it was good, pretty good, yeah, I played the lovely Yaws, who' was, um their norwegian uh, Merc, um who was playing u d my, my game was probably the game that fucked us on <laughs> our prediction because I predicted that I would lose with nine points and I lost with seven, so I dropped two points there, but that's just like an example of how fine the margins are at something like this, yeah, but Jarls and I had a great game, and actually, my my shooting wasn't great, and it got to the stage at turn, turn three, and Jarls called over his, uh, his captain to have a look at the table, and all the way through, like Jarls and I had been talking, we were like, yeah, we think this is going to be like a draw or a small win, to either, depending on how the dice goes, and blah, blah, blah. Turn three, my shooting had not turned up, and his fuck-off massive chariot block was edging closer to me, <laughs> and I'm thinking, if he goes now... There's not a lot I can do to stop him, and he's he's going to win probably 15, if not more. And his captain came over, and his captain was like, Yeah, yeah, go for it, go for it, go for it. So I'm thinking in my head, This is it. My anus is about to be burst. <laughs> um, and then Jarl was just like tentatively kept moving his chariot block a little bit further up and up rather than right. just pushing. So I ended up chaffing him, and that's what really cost me those, those points in the end. Uh, it was just because I was just throwing, giving him like little bits instead of him getting the big points. And we, we talked about it after it, and uh, I said to him like at the end of turn three, I thought you were gonna like kick the shit out of me, and he was like, yeah, I was thinking about it, but it was a bit too risky. <laughs> so <I> was like, <laughs> okay, thanks, yeah. Was... Uh, but no, that was it was a really good game, and uh, I would, I would say it was like kind of like a classic etc game. Now that I can actually say that, having experienced it. It was mm-hmm. very edgy, and it, it was it was very you know it was a game of close margins.
2: As uh, Felix mentioned, New Zealand ended up coming seventeenth um it's interesting of all the countries you guys played new zealand were the only country to finish above you bastards <laughs> every other country you ended up placing higher than them so that's really cool um bulgaria? yeah bulgaria came 24th <laughs> so bulgaria was your game too uh you guys uh lost that 109 to 51 so there was a bigger margin there obviously yeah. Was that just, again, some of the pairings, or was it just some of the games that were you thought were going to be tight ended up being a bit more kind of variable just because of dice, or what was the score there?
3: It, so I think there were a few things to it. I think that the way that Bulgaria had set their team up was a really good sort of direct counter to the way that we'd set our team up. So I had a really good chat with... Uh, with Haristo on Team Bulgaria, after my game is finished because my game finished pretty damn quickly. And <laughs> is that for it, better or worse? <laughs> oh, it was for worse. Yeah, yeah. It, it was just the, it was the thing of my list where I'm playing another smashy list, and yeah. either I get a charge off and I win, or he gets a charge off and he wins. And uh, unfortunately, he got a charge off and he won. Um, okay. Also, a, a fantastic ogre's list he was playing, like. The Frost mammoth which I've just never seen before in UK tournaments you pair it with the uh, ogre mercenaries and good Lord they do some they do some <laughs> serious work but they paired very well my game went sideways so that's you know that's 10 12 points that we should have got Ed got paired into a relatively decent matchup against uh, against beasts and I think that his shooting didn't turn up so he just got ended up getting rushed Mel got paired into uh, an Empire list. That he thought he could take down sort of eleven or twelve. I don't think he really realised how much armour the list had, and it just sort of pushed at him and rolled over him. So he lost relatively big. And then obviously we had we had Martin stepping in for his only his second game and playing pretty much their best player uh, in in and so we ended up shaking on a four points for 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 Martin because he just he he wasn't comfortable enough with the list yet to be able to go into that game and think he could get more points. And so overall, I think there was just two or three of the the matchups that we paired into just went sideways quite spectacularly. And then when that happens, it's just sort of a snowball effect. And one of the main things that that coaches will do is you go down to every every table and you say, look, has anything really bad happened? or Has anything really good happened? And if you get two or three replies of well, something very bad is happening, then you go. Your job is to go to the other tables and say, guys, you need to start taking some more risks and trying to get some more points. Mm-hmm. And so when when the two or three tables where you should be doing really well are not going well, and you have to ask the people who are playing matches <laughs> that are a little bit more
2: difficult to take more yeah. risks and try and get more points, it all just it all just spirals. Okay. Game three, you guys bounced back, and you got a good win against Ireland. That must have been a pretty good game. you you quite happy you got to play Ireland at ETC? Yeah,
0: they're good boys. It's
2: good. Give. Historically done pretty well when it comes to sportsmanship, and obviously you guys are obviously pretty familiar with them just from playing games. And the UK, we've had some of the Irish guys over at the Scottish champs this year as well. That was good. Yep. So we we're pretty happy. I wasn't obviously there at the ETC, but I was checking my phone every now and then to see mm. what the pairings were going to be, and I smile crossed my face when I read that you are going to be playing Ireland. So I figured you guys will probably be pretty happy you
0: got to that matchup. Yeah, it was a nice yeah. way to start day two. Like you're, you're playing against a team that you know most of the guys and you know most of the guys are very chill on the table and are there to have a good time as well. So instantly you've got that relief of you're not going to play against utter cunts. <laughs> and uh, I guess so yeah.
2: that probably maybe made you feel a little bit more relaxed, which would have been a good thing going into day two. Yeah, I would I would say that. So you guys won that eighty eight to seventy two. No, we lost that 88-72. Eh, ah, never mind.
3: <laughs> no, <laughs> it, was, yeah, it was it was a, no, it was a really good game. It was one of those where and I'm definitely gonna name and shame Andrew and Ed here that <laughs> if, if those boys come back with you know six to eight more points, then it it becomes a a win, a win to us. And it's just I think that that was the that was the game that we sat everyone down at lunch afterwards and just said, look, guys, it's a different thing to singles. It's a team event. Like, we understand you're in a mentality of, you know, i got to go and try and win this game. But if you lose the game 20 nil or 18-2 or 19-1, it's a big difference if you lose it even 15-5 or 14-6. And I think that if you then look at the games from then on, from that island game, people definitely took that on board and the really polar scores, except for mine, because of mine <laughs> And really reduced.
2: So I'm right in saying you beat Argentina, right? We did, yeah. yeah. Right. You okay. So you bounced back, game four, and you beat Argentina. <laughs> so you got a good win there, 93-67. Mm-hmm.
3: I think Ed did very well, if I remember. And uh, John, who played amazingly well across the whole event, I think he brought back some big points. I think then really across the board... Everyone else sort of did what we talked about, and just won small or lost small.
2: And Martin, obviously speaking Spanish, to their Spanish player, obviously helped. (laughs) Clearly breaking the rules. (laughs) Sure. So, game five, going into day three, you guys got a pretty big win. We did indeed. Did we not count? Tell me all about that.
3: Uh, It was Belarus, and they were they had an absolutely beautiful set of armies. I think they came sec- second or third in the in the best sort of best painted category they had an infernal doors player whose army was just out of this world wow. um but uh i mean they had they had uh anton who was playing for for them who's i i think he's russian who was playing for the belarus team and he is pretty much one of the best players at the e d c he's one of the guys who he was in the top 5 or 10 scorers this year. He was in the top 5 scorers last year at all warm-up events. He always does very well. I think he was top 2 or 3 at the Germany warm-up event this year. And Ed got 7 points out of him. So I actually... I think I gave Ed a hug after he came back and talked to me. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> he actually won the game in, in points, but he lost the secondary. So it yeah. was a 7 for him.
2: Awesome. How did you do in that round, right, Andrew? Very good. <laughs> Very good. Was yeah. this your 19-1 victory?
0: This was my 19-1 against um, their lovely Warriors player, who had the misfortune of playing almost an identical list to what you play. Oh, really? So, yeah, I knew what everything did. Um, I knew exactly what I had to do to take it out, and my shooting turned up and magic turned up. And I just rolled oh, average, yes. which is a fucking like massive uh, win <laughs> in your sails when you've got a gun line. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just took them off. But the guy was the guy was unlucky in a lot of phases. Like his magic was pretty shit. And when mm-hmm. you're when you're running at something and your only phase of interaction with your, your opponent is really your armor saves and uh, your magic phase, then it's rough when your magic doesn't go your way. So, but yeah. the guy was lovely to play against, and uh, we had a really good game. Awesome. So
2: rounding off the tournament, you guys played Luxembourg. Mm-hmm. Again, that looked like. An incredibly tight round. You lost that 81 to 79. Is that correct? It is, yeah. Another another one pointer. Yeah, exactly the same as game one. Yeah, yeah. It's,
3: and it it's you know it, def, it definitely shows that how small the margins are. But then I think if you if you actually look at the scores from from round one to round six and compare them, like the the variance in scores are much much lower except for me, who got zero points. Uh, everyone else got, you know, uh, 16, 16, 12, 17, 7, 5, 6. You know, there's, no, there's no zeros, ones, twos, threes there. Everyone had got, you know, this is the sixth game now. Everyone's been playing the ETC tournament style. And everyone's understanding, look, even if I'm going down, if I can come back with five points, that's a big win for for me personally. And it got us very close to, to winning. And I think that, we can say that if I had managed to get one or even two points from my game, then, then we would have we would have come back with a small win. So it was, it was a really good way to end the tournament, I think.
2: It was really funny. Again, I was checking my phone, and I think there were maybe two or three scores which hadn't come in yet. And I was thinking to myself, oh, that looks like they could lose that round unless Mel does well and Ed does well and maybe someone else. And then I checked back and... Those, those scores had came in, and I think I'm right in saying that both of them got 14, 15, 16 points.
1: Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Mel got 18, I think.
2: Yeah. And my math is obviously shit because I convinced myself that you guys had won that round. We thought we'd won that round for quite a long time. <laughs> <laughs> and I I actually, in the car, went... I, I don't know what he said. I, I think I shouted, like, oh, holy shit. And Laura was driving, and she audibly got a fright and we thought what the fuck is going on <laughs> like thought a child had run into the road or something like that and then started leaning into me because she shot herself while driving <laughs> so yeah just you guys did really well
3: so what the what the absolutely mad thing was is that after our game five against belarus we were seven points behind the england team yeah and I know for a fact after talking to some of the boys on the England team that at lunch they sat down and said, we absolutely cannot fuck up the next round. If <laughs> <because laughs> Scotland overtake us, we will never hear the end of it. Um, it does up, up friendly rivalry. <laughs> yeah, they ended up playing the, the Turkish boys that we'd had a practice game against. I think they ended up capping them. So the result of our match didn't end up, you know, mattering that much.
2: But so really uh, what you're saying is your performance up until the game five really was the contributing factor towards why England did so well in their last game. Exactly. Yeah, completely. Yeah. We, okay. uh, we were snapping their heels and they, uh, <laughs> they put in a big Awesome. So, um, as captain then, you must've been really happy with the, the performance you had gone out and you had succeeded in your goal. Yeah, very, very happy.
3: I think that, I think all the boys put in so much effort and, uh, I mean, really, three people, you know, because because Martin had to step in for four games for Tim, playing in their first ETC, to to come 18th and to come so close to to winning more games than we lost, you know, having two eighty-one seventy-nine losses and then and then having a, a couple of really nice big wins was was just amazing, and we're very very proud of how everyone did and the, the effort everyone
2: put in. Awesome. So. Again, just kind of looking back, Andrew, how would you objectively rate your performance at the ETC as a player? I was quite disappointed
0: in a couple of games, particularly my, my last game against Luxembourg. And like the 18-2 against Ireland, I really don't think I could have done much. That was just the case of the shooting not turning up. <laughs> but I just felt that there was a couple of games where I just left like one or two points out there, and that's just being clinical. Particularly mm-hmm. like those last couple of turns and just prioritizing what you can get points from. And I think my my last game, uh, Luxembourg was like forgetting everything I'd learned in the games before and looking at the list and thinking I'm gonna fuck this boy, and uh, him turning out to be a very good player and not letting me fuck him was uh, <laughs> was not nice. <laughs> so, so yeah, in terms of playing, like I think I, I think I just left a couple points out there. Not like nothing crazy, I don't think, but just. Um, in terms of building on that and getting better, there, there was a couple of decisions that I made with hindsight. I think I would have done it differently, and which I think might have got me like that extra one or two points, which, you know, was literally the difference in two of our rounds. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, but it's just, that's just it. It's fine margins. So, I don't think you can be too hard on yourself, but I was disappointed I didn't get 60. I finished in 57, which is agonisingly <laughs> close, because <laughs> Cause that was that was my goal basically before ETC was uh, get 60 and be perfectly okay. average. So a little bit disappointed in that, but you know that's just the way it goes sometimes. And yeah,
2: Martin, well, obviously you were thrown into the deep end, yep. playing an army you didn't really expect to play or an army that you're overly familiar with.
0: So I'll ask you a slightly different question: How would you rate your performance as a coach, Flash War Boy? Ooh. I want to comment on this after Martin said Okay.
1: <laughs> I think the I was improving during the tournament. Um. I did. I think that I did the right decision on the second match to handshake because mm-hmm. I know what Andre is going to say that that was the right choice there. I could have done much better. I could have le- know all the list everything. So we didn't have to interrupt Felix or Gareth or another player for the timeout. But uh, I don't know. I think I was improving for some players. It was, uh, it was good to have me there to ask questions or for rules and discuss with the refs Uh, for those, for others, I was a pain in the ass, but yeah, that was part of the job. So I'm happy that I was uh, ended up alive. Uh, nobody <laughs> wanted to kill me, so that was great.
2: Before Andrew times in, yeah. gives his opinion on your performance as coach. Yeah. If you were looking to go back to ETC next year or any other year, yes, do you think you'd be more interested in going as a coach, or would you really want to go and just play from the outset? Do you think?
1: If you ask me before I. Th- think that I I would have said that I prefer coaching but because I was really scared of playing. But I really had a good experience while playing there. So I don't know. I think I can do more as a player than as a coach because, for example, Tim knows the game much better than me. So you can ask him about everything and he can give you advice. I'm not a good player for that. I might be a good player for... Sitting on the corner or have an objective. Do this. And I can do that and follow that instruction. But it's a tough question. I don't know. Maybe I will roll a die. And have...
2: <laughs>
0: okay, Andre, let's hear it. Martin was my MVP. Just because, particularly in the Bulgaria game, Martin won me that game. Uh, because the first couple turns did not go my way. I got Wrath of God to fuck everything was dying, and I basically had a point in the game where I could push and risk everything for a big win, um, or I could hold back and basically try and save points. And I I said to Martin, you need to tell me what to do here. And he went, he checked all the other games, and he was like, push. And as a result, I got 16 out of that. And just, like, not only did Martin step in, like, when Tim was ill, and literally saved the team, essentially. Just a little. would we would have been a player down. Just, like, little things, like, just asking for updates and things like that. Like, I would not have rated how important a coach's role was at ETC. Like, my image in my head was, like, the beer bitch. Like, (laughs) 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 someone who's just going for a holiday. But in terms of just, like, little tactical decisions that you make in-game, like, you need to know how the other games are going. And that was really invaluable. So much so that, like, Ed and I have been talking about next year. And, like, we've both said that a coach is absolutely vital.
1: And that's Paul, why I'm not going to be coach.
0: <laughs> You'll play for Argentina next year anyway. Well, that's I, I, I don't
1: know. know. I don't <laughs> know. I don't know.
2: Okay. So, before I ask you the last question, the most important question I've Ooh. got, do you guys got anything you want to say before we kind of wrap up the conversation? Is there anything we've not talked about?
0: This is your moment to bring it up. I'd like <laughs> just to say thank you to Felix and Gareth, but particularly Felix just for the amount of effort he put in. Because, like, see the amount of prep that this boy did, the amount of Excel spreadsheets that he has, is absolutely <laughs> bananas.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and like <You> uh, <laughs> the amount of time and effort that they put in in particular and just organising the team and like there was a couple rounds where like we did not do well and there was, you know, we just needed someone to pick us up and both Gareth and Felix did do that. And uh, a massive shout out to Daddy Deej who kept me saying over the weekend <laughs> by just reminding me that there's another world out there and it's bigger than toy soldiers, but <laughs> um, no, I don't. Apparently, it exists. I'm not actually 100%. It does, but he, he seemed very convinced. Uh, and just a thank you to everyone on the team because it was it was a blast. Awesome,
3: Felix. No, I think Andrew's covered it. I think just big thank you to everyone on the team. We had a great time. We had a really good team dynamic. You know, we went out on little excursions together and had lots of dinners together and uh, it was a good time. And I think that the only thing I'd want to say is anyone who's listening to this, especially guys who are in the, in the Scottish Wildlings, please apply next year. Like if, even if you don't think that you want to go, like I know or you can't go, like Andrew didn't think he was able to go, didn't want to go, but he stayed involved and then you know ended up coming. Definitely apply because you'll be you'll be surprised how into it you get if you get selected from the team, and uh, it would be amazing to see five, six, seven, or even eight you know Scottish Wildlings guys out there next year
1: Martin um, for me well first i need uh, I had to thank the whole team to having me there because i wasn 't planning of doing anything, so it was amazing for me being part of a team get along with all of them and have a great time. It was a really nice holidays. Um I think it's if you like this hobby and uh, the game is you have to be there. And um, no matter what, doing whatever, um be there as for watching the game so as a coach or the beer Beach or whatever. But <laughs> it's like you are there with a bunch of guys. That loves the game as you do, probably most mo- more than you, um, you enjoy it every minute. Awesome.
2: So, final question, the most important question. How many well,
1: chairs were broken? 19 nope. something? <laughs> no. Nope. Which
0: team had the coolest dice? Oh. Oh. Say probably I like the Spanish one because it's got the the Burgundian cross on it, and I also like the Italian one. They're probably my favourite.
2: Nice. The
0: uh, the Belarus dice are probably my favourite. Yeah, they're cool, yeah. Which were these big, chunky wooden
3: dice with like a buffalo or a bison on them.
2: Yeah, they yeah were, nice.
3: They were very – I just like wooden dice. They're very cool. I also liked the Team UN dice because the, the United Nations team this year were basically uh, the Portuguese team. So they had uh, green dice with Cristiano Ronaldo's face on them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was playing in when I played the Luxembourg, the Italian mercenary for Luxembourg. He used two of those Cristiano Ronaldo dice to do his wolf breath weapons against me, and he rolled two sixes <laughs> and then <laughs> and just took me off. <laughs> so, uh, so you know, bittersweet. Remembering Cristiano's smiling face just
2: destroying my tools. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where were you, Martin? Favorite
1: dice? Tough choice. I think the I don't know where it's from. Uh, I think it's Norway. It's a uh, orange dice with a door for a Nordic guy. Uh, that oh yeah. Was, yeah, I think it's Norway. I, I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, we think it's uh, Norway or Denmark, don't we? we we're talking about this inside.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I really like that. Um, I like the the Canadian one. It was yeah. nice.
2: Yeah, they were nice. That's quite cool that you all have different favorites. And uh, similar question. Coolest team outfit or t-shirt? Who looked the swankiest?
1: Mm. Oh.
3: We We had a lot of people into swap shirts. The favourite one that I saw was uh, Dutch shirts. Yeah. They were fluorescent orange. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) offensively fluorescent bright orange. They were something special.
2: BlondeBear's video was quite funny about that. He said that the main bonus was just being able to spot his team. (laughs) <laughs> so when I had to round them up it was pretty easy,
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, Mel was so happy, and like at the end of the sixth round, everyone like disappeared to go swap shirts and stuff, and Mel got a Dutch shirt he was like beaming as he walked back to the group nice. with this bright orange shirt on. I really liked the it was either the Latvians or the Russians um who had these really cool like it was almost like tribal patterns, but they were like orange and purple mm mm-hmm. I couldn't figure out if it was the Russian team or the the Latvian.
1: The, both of them were wearing shirts like that.
0: Oh, were they? All right. Okay. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. The Latvian team, uh, the
3: same, the similar ones that they got last year, which is the Latvian shirts for each player mimic the army they're playing. Oh, so, like, okay. Koe player has like full plate armor. The silver elf will be all like trees, and the beast one will just be like completely furry.
1: They, they were really cool shirts. The the Belarus one was funny because they had all the faces of the players on the back. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> awesome. Cool. Well, thanks guys for coming on and sharing your etc experiences. No worry. Sounds really good. I think that's it's got me pumped for next year.
0: Don't know about anyone else listening yeah, to this. But that's, seems like yeah. a pretty good solid endorsement for the etc. The hardest part is convincing your girlfriends and wives that this is a really good idea.
3: <laughs> that is why you take them on a holiday
2: before. <laughs> All right, okay. So that's, that's a good topic. So, Felix, you obviously bribed yours with holiday time. Um, yeah. Andrew, how did you go about convincing your better half to let you go?
0: I basically said, uh, the team needs me, darling. I need to go. They're relying on me. You can't do this to me. No, she, George was very good. I I bought her, like, a day out while we were away, to say thank you, but I've been subtly hinting that I'll be going next year. She doesn't know that I am going next year, but I'm just <laughs> sort of, right, okay. I'm subtly <laughs> going, oh, Ed's asked me to be vice-captain for next year. Oh, she's going, oh, right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah,
2: she sees through that. Yeah, you've, you've
0: got to keep them on side. That's so important.
2: <laughs> oh, that was actually something I had thought of. I didn't actually ask. Obviously, you guys were there for ETC. Would you recommend to anyone that was going to the ETC to also participate in the ESC? I
3: think that if you're going to be a coach, so this year I know that if Tim hadn't stepped up to become one of our players, that Tim was going to do the ESC beforehand and then coach in the event. I think that would be a really cool idea and that's a really good way to try and get yourself a good coach or a couple of good coaches is by saying, look, we'd love you to coach and you should do the ESC you know, beforehand. Uh, so you still have to play toy soldiers, but I mean, from my point of view, we did, including two practice games. We did eight four-hour-long rounds over four days. If I then tacked on another, I think it's three games onto that, which would be you know five games for the ESC and then six for the ETC. I would have broken
2: myself. This is it. I was thinking about it, thinking you know if you're going away for you know that chunk of time, is it? Part of you might think, well, I'm here, I may as well participate, get some extra games in, extra practice, but then are you burning yourself out? Would yeah. you guys think that's probably too much?
0: I would agree with Felix. I think it, it was far more important, particularly in a team, that you have that day of just like chilling with the guys and just doing a little bit of team bonding or something before the event. I think that's far more yeah. valuable than doing you know, five extra games in a singles event.
2: Were there quite a high proportion of people that did both, or did it tend to be one or the other?
0: Uh, I think there was quite a lot. I mean, a lot of the coaches played, like what Felix was saying. A lot of the coaches played, like the um, the Swiss Switzerland coach is a very very good French player, and uh, okay. for, yeah, did he come second, Felix?
3: Yeah, he got second on the series.
0: Yeah, he came second. Yeah, so like. It's a fantastic opportunity to go and play some of these like insanely good players if you're game for it. But I think tacking that onto the ETC itself is is quite an ask. I think you'd have to be absolutely uh, committed to the cause.
2: So these people are all just like ninth age junkies. Yep. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> but
0: like like heroin junkies. Like I would say I'm a marijuana ninth age junkie. All right. Okay. You, you've got a, <laughs> a bit more mellow. Yeah, different calibers. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
2: These guys are all on like crack. It says meth. <laughs> Just rubbing the, the rule book in their gums but I need more damn
0: <laughs> Well, thanks guys. That was that was really good. Cool. Yes yeah, so. So looking forward, obviously <laughs> it's all about to kick off again. <laughs> <laughs> the transition of power has almost been completed. Essentially is completed. Uh so Ed Murdock, who's Scottish knight, will be the captain of Team Scotland uh, 2019. So Ed will be sorting out all the applications and stuff for Team Scotland probably towards the end of the year. So stay posted, I'm sure. We'll keep you all up to date on here about that. In terms of upcoming tournaments, the Team England boys are holding Breakthrough, which is just a kind of relaxed singles event after ETC, and that's in September. There is a Irish event, which James is trying to convince me to go to, which is in Limerick, I believe, and that's in October. And then we'll be having the one and only Siege in November. Hell yeah. Which will be fucking awesome. Really looking forward to that. So yeah, and then we'll obviously keep you guys posted about goings-on for Team Scotland next year. Cool. Righty. Um, so if anyone is listening and they want to get in contact with us, you can do so at gmail, at, at gmail.com. You can get us on Facebook at scottishwildlands, or you can grab us on Twitter uh, at scottish9thage. Uh, but before we log out, massive thank you to Felix, not only for being Captain Fantastic, but for coming on tonight and having a chat with us. Thank you to Martin for being MVP and Coach Extraordinaire. I'm sure he'll be on very soon, and uh, we'll have to get the uh, the Salt Mine segment of the show up and running in the next couple of weeks.
2: Yeah, that's sure. definitely a thing. That's going to
0: happen. Yeah, it's going to be a thing. <laughs> um, in terms of upcoming shows, the next show will probably be the Girlfriends episode, The Widows of Ninth Age.
2: Ooh.
0: Yeah. so that'll be hopefully. good fun hopefully <laughs> because they are real, we can't reiterate <laughs> that enough um, yeah. but yeah that's that not... whole story
2: about Andrew having to you know, convince his better half to let him go to ETC that's not an elaborate ruse I'm am,
0: am a method actor, actor. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, thank you again guys and uh, we'll catch you on the next one take it easy guys, thanks for coming on
1: thank you
0: thanks very much guys